What's up, military millionaires? I'm your host, David Bray, here with Alexander Felice and Mr. Kevin Jennings. And today we are going to talk to you about government contracts, government contracting, landing government contracts, and all things awesomeness. And I met Kevin at the Better Way Conference in Dallas uh, three weeks, four weeks ago, and we were chatting uh, just briefly over, uh, he actually caught me while I was trying to trying to do my journal in the morning. So I was kind of a, I won't say I was a jerk, but I was probably a jerk. And uh, <laughs> I was trying to like focus and he's had all these awesome things to talk about, which were actually really interesting. But I was like, oh, if I don't do this, I'm never going to get this done. And uh, anyway, um, and then he went and gave a presentation and uh, I, well, it was just enough for me to go, you know what, that would be fun to have on the podcast because government contracting and that whole realm fits in really nice with our niche. And I don't know anything about it. Welcome to the Military Millionaire Podcast, where we teach service members, veterans, and their families how to build wealth through personal finance, entrepreneurship, and real estate investing. I'm your host, David Perret, and together with my co-host, Alex Felice, we're here to be your no BS guides along the most important mission you'll ever embark on, your finances. Today's sponsor is Prime Corporate Services. Now I want to take a moment to talk to you about Prime Corporate Services or PCS, which is a company that specializes in helping you with legal structure, building business credit, and filing your taxes, amongst other things. Now, PCS is a company that I have personally used just last week to help build my new holding company, LLC, for my business. And they specialize in asset protection and making sure that you are covered from worst case scenarios. Now, as a member of the Military Millionaire community, if you click the link down below, they will give you a free consultation in order to help point you in the right direction and help you ensure that your assets are covered if somebody decides they want to come after you. It's better safe than sorry, so make sure you click that link and schedule your free consultation today. So here we are. Kevin, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, um, so I'm a serial entrepreneur, I guess you can call it. Um, when I got out of college in the early 2000s, one of the first things I did was I started working construction for my dad's construction company, and he was a government contractor at the time. Um, so that was kind of like my first introduction to it, but I didn't really take it seriously. It was more like that first job out of college. And then I got introduced to the wonderful world of real estate in South Florida in 2004, and everybody was making so much money selling real estate and flipping properties, and I thought that was the best thing ever. Only problem is nobody ever told me what a recession was or uh, that that was even a possibility. So I tell people it's crazy. So I was a millionaire at 25 and bankrupt by 26 because um, by the time 2007, 2008 came, that was it. Like the run ended just that fast. And so um, 2008, I was trying to figure out like what to do, how to rebuild myself and how to make money and so then my dad kind of reintroduced the whole government contracting thing to me. And at the time I was thinking about getting my general contracting license here in Florida. Cause I used to, you know, like we said, I was, I was flipping properties for so long and doing stuff and uh, people were still calling me like, Hey man, can you help me with this? Help me with this. So I was all right, let me get my GC license and I can start generating income like that. And then my dad and others gave me some opportunities to, to do some contracting work. Um, one of the first things I did was actually at the VA hospital. I did some demo work down there for them. And then from there, it just it just snowballed. And so over the last 14 years, all I've been doing is government contracting in the federal sector. And then also I transitioned about 
I'd say six years ago, I transitioned to start doing stuff in the state and local uh, governments. Um, I started an underground utility company. So I do, I specialize in water and sewer infrastructure rehabilitation for municipalities. So I got into that. So my whole life has been in um, working has been in like government contracting at every level. And so earlier this year, I kind of was like, you know what, I, I want to do something different. I just turned 40. And I, I, I want to reinvent myself, change my life a little bit. And so I was introduced to um, just like how to start helping people. And that's what I've been doing most recently is teaching others the things that I've learned over the last, you know, 14, 15 years in government contract. So that's, that's me. The government doesn't go, it doesn't have recessions. Is that right? Yeah. So that, that was the thing. Like, it sounds crazy, but um, the government doesn't that, you know, recession does not affect the government. Uh, pandemic does not affect the government. I, the pandemic was probably one of the best times in my professional career because um, while people were stuck at home, the government was still operating, but they couldn't have all of their workers come to work. So they started contracting out even more of their services because they needed, they still had to operate, still needed things done. They still needed supplies. They still needed, you know, everything. The government still had to operate because if the government doesn't operate, then we have total anarchy, which is what we don't want. Yeah. So, everybody, everybody wants to hate on the government. And then it's like, Hey, we're, we closed down. Then they're like, but hang on, we need, we need this thing to, we need this thing to run. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it sounds great until it actually happens. Right. And they're like, Oh yeah, we hate the government. We don't want it to exist. And it's like, all right, cool. Government doesn't exist. Wait, 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 wait. Who's going to pick up our garbage? Like, <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> like, Oh, now you need the government. That's not the part they don't like. They it's, it's the part of being told no. Right. It's like parenting. No, right, yeah. no, like, no kid complains about the roof over their head or the fact that they're getting food paid for or, you know, their Xbox. But they sure as hell complain about a curfew. Yeah. Yeah, so. Kevin, so I've sort of been on a, a running theme in this show and in my life over the last. I mean, it's been growing over the last four or five years as I've watched the economy do mm, some unprecedented things. And. So the theme is every time I have somebody on the show, excuse me, we have somebody on the show that um, was investing or entrepreneuring before the 2007 or eight crash, I really try to pick their brain about insights because the gap between those who have invested before the crash and those who have invested after the crash to me is stark night and day. And yeah. the people who have only been investing after the crash don't notice it, but I notice it. And so yeah. what you said right at the gate was like, I, nobody told me that recession could happen. Um, and so I'm curious, you know, what your thoughts are about like kind of today, if, if you feel, I mean, I know you're in a sector, you, you don't probably feel the same sort of risk now with the government sector, but um, does it feel like 2007? Yeah, but it's weird. Like I, I've even been trying to figure it out. Um, it's a weird, weird time. It, it, it feels like 2007. And for me, I see some of the same indicators like I saw then. And so in my mind, I'm like, yeah, this is happening all over again. It just it's it's like we have an external force that's like not letting it really kick in. And Low that's interest me because I don't know if that's like a good thing that they're not letting it really kick in or if it's like a bad thing because we're delaying the inevitable. And what honestly what I fear is I was um, I was preaching recession in like 2019. 
Because I was like, historically, when you look at the charts of recession, like we were due 2019, it was it, we were ready for like it had it, it due to the calendar, it was supposed to happen. And then we kind of missed it. And then the pandemic happened. So people kind of forgot about it. But now we're at that point where it's like, okay, it still has to happen. So now I'm like, well, if it doesn't happen in the next two or three years, by the calendar, we're due again for another one. So is that one going to be like the big, big one? So that's what scares me. Because people think recession, they think it's a bad thing. But in reality, like, I mean, when you look at history and you look at the calendar, it has to happen. Like it's a recorrect, it's a correction of the markets. So it happens every eight to 10 years historically throughout the, the history of the government, throughout the history of this country. So it kind of like it has to happen. But I, I just I'm scared, honestly, to be real with you. It's almost knowing like what a, I, it's like the controlled yeah. burn theory, right? Like if you yeah, have controlled it. burns, you don't have a forest fire. And if you never do controlled burns because you're scared of a forest fire, you're going to have a forest fire. Um, yeah. So. You uh, you feel confident about government contracts? Yeah, I'm, man, that's why I got into it. Like when I when I was coming out of that recession, like I was so scared of everything. Like I was gunshot. You you couldn't talk to me about anything. I didn't want to hear about anything. I, I was, but I'm an entrepreneur, right? So I'm like, okay, so what am I supposed to do? I'm scared to invest in anything. I'm scared of the stock market. I'm scared of the real estate market. Like, how am I supposed to make money? And the more and more I started researching the government contracts and really understanding it, that's what gave me that comfort level because it truly is recession proof. Like um, the government's always going to need things. And the sad reality about our country is we don't produce anything. So we rely on things from everybody to, to, to kind of to live. Right. And the government is no different. The, the United States government is the largest purchaser of goods and services in the entire world. And so I did not know me, that. Huh? You didn't know that? Know <laughs> yeah. that. yeah, most people don't. Um, but, so it's just to me, it was like, hey, this is this is a perfect match. Like they're always going to be buying. They've been buying since day one. Let me just figure out what I can provide and try to provide a quality service to them. And then I can kind of hopefully hedge hedge those bets. You have a you have a client. Your client is a triple A rated credit client with unlimited money. <laughs> like when you it, that's the thing that that's the way i kind of tell you i mean you got to look at it like that that's the best client to have like would you want any other type of client like that's the best client and they can't yeah. stiff you yeah and so it's, it's for me it was a no-brainer it's like yeah. playing a sport with the official wearing your uniform yeah, yeah. and the more <laughs> i learned about it the more i learned about it and i and I like figured out how to play the game because that's anything, like anything, right? Any game you're gonna play, you gotta figure out how to play the game. Once I figured out how to play the game, and I was like, oh wow. And then I learned the rules because that's what people always hear. Like, I got, I think the two biggest things or the two biggest fears that people have when I talk about government contracting is a most people are scared when they hear government anything. Like nobody likes the government for any like you say government, and people are like, all right, I'm good, man. Thanks. Have a nice day. Um and, and then <laughs> The ones that aren't scared by it are like, yeah, but they don't pay and it takes so long. And I'm like, nah, that's not true. Like they really, they want to pay. And when I simplify what it actually is, like the role of the government is to protect the citizens, right? And so from an economic standpoint, their role is to provide for citizens. So government contracting is a way that they not only 
do the goods and services and things that people need, but it's also how they stimulate the economy. So they take the money that we pay in taxes and they put it back into the economy with, with businesses like myself. And then they look to me to do work with other small businesses, employ individuals. So now they have more taxpayers that can keep the cycle going. So in, in its simplest form, it's just it's a cyclical business and it needs to happen. It's just figuring out where you fit into it. You got to learn the rules of the game. So let me ask That's, you, is this a is, are you, is this a Jonah Hill style war dogs where you're going off and doing? Are you are you a, a gray market arms dealer? What, what kind of con what I'm really asking is what kind of contracts are we talking about here? He's yeah, actually so in like, Russia right now. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> so it's cool because like um, like I love that movie War Dogs. Right. When it came out, I was like, this is amazing. Like I, I, I probably watched it 10 or 15 times because I'm like, this is amazing because it really is my life. But I'm okay, so I was I was right on the money. Okay, yeah. all right. I'm not an arms dealer personally. I know arms dealers. I've helped people become arms dealers. Like I know, but the when you take out that part of it, everything else that happened in that movie is so very true and accurate. Like I'm like that is my life. Like from them literally starting in the back of some guy's dirty, you know, place with just a a couple computers, you know, in a in a, in a smoke filled room to then. You know, a year and a half, two years later, they're all in multi-million dollar mansions. I'm like, that is, that's real. Like that can really happen. And, you know, everybody is only one contract away from literally changing their life. Um, but as far as types of contracts, the government buys everything from simple supplies like toilet paper, paper towels, water. Um, I got started selling rubber gloves and, and uh, N95 masks and hand sanitizer to now I'm in construction and construction management. And I, you know, do construction work on VA hospitals, Air Force bases, uh, the Coast Guard bases. Um, they buy IT services. You know, I mean, anything you can think of. I've, I've been blowing people away lately on like social media because I'll post like wild stuff that that they procure. And people are like, I didn't know that exists. Like I did one. The Army just uh, paid somebody. Um, I think the Army pays them $75,000 a month for the next four years to maintain their social media. So they're responsible for basically posting on social media and helping the army maintain and stay relevant on social media. And they're getting $75,000 a month. And people are like, oh, I could do that job. Why don't we have that job? Alex? <laughs> I could do that job. Yeah. I'll do it for 70. I'll do it. for Yeah. 70. Right. Like give them a discount. But yeah, so it's, it's crazy because literally anything that you can think of, they, there's a contract out there for it. I, I can't I imagine. Need, I wonder if they need a camera guy. They do. So I was showing my. Um, what about a drone? I got a drone license. I got an FAA license. The irony oh. with this is that they have a public affairs MOS. Like there's literally yeah. a job. That's what there's makes me laugh about this is like there is some Marine sitting in his office going, God, I'm bored. I wish they just let me like, give me the Instagram account. I'll make some content. Like, just let me have some fun. And they're like, nah, we pay you $3,000 a month. This guy, though, this guy over here. Yeah, <laughs> he's worth more because he charges more. So Ta -da. that's how that's how military budgets work. We know how budgets work, right, boys? Right. We got to spend this money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's it in a nutshell. What website do I how, how do I find where the gigs are? So the, the website is uh, sam.gov. So you go on www.sam.gov. And what they did a few years ago was the government used to have about eight different websites that talked about all the different things that they do. So they, they centralize that into one website. So you go on sam.gov, sam.gov is where you can register. 
Uncle Sam. <laughs> Uncle Sam, right? That's where you can register to do business. That's where you can find contract opportunities. That's where you can find financial um, assistance. That's where you can find all the procurement data, the forecast. Like they created one big centralized website and that's what it is. Man, that's actually... Do you, do you have... um? We're, we're going to be friends, Kevin. That's cool. <laughs> he, he didn't sound that excited right now. He's I like, wouldn't either. <laughs> He knows, he knows there's an ass coming. Wait, didn't you say, didn't you say you wanted to help some people? <laughs> Not you. Yeah. I don't Other know. people. Oh my goodness. So this is cool. So, okay. So if I'm Nick, the new guy and I'm like, wow, contracting is awesome. And there's this website, but I don't know what I don't know. Like, what are some of the things that like, what would you say are some of the first steps? Is it is it finding, like, do you go on sam.gov and, and click around and find something and go, oh, that looks cool, I'll do that? Or should you look at building a business? Like, how do you flesh yeah. out what would work? Yeah, so the way I, I um, teach it to people is, like, the first thing you want to do is build a business, right? So before you even start looking at, okay, what can I do? Look at building a stable business. And that's, that's what sam.gov kind of does for you. So the first steps are create a business within the state that you're in. Get your tax ID number, get a Dunn's number from Dunn and Bradstreet, and then you're going to register and you have to get what's called a cage code. So a cage code is, is your, um, it's like your identifier. It's, it's how they actually look at you. Um, so they don't use names per se in the government. It's all codes. Um, it's kind of like, you know, when you're in service, like, and you have your different levels, your E1, E2, all that's it's similar to that. And that's how they identify people is with their different cage codes. Um, and then from there, once you're established, then you can really start looking at, okay, what do I really want to do? And I tell people all the time, whatever you're good at, just focus on that. Like, don't worry about what the next guy does. Don't worry about, oh, I, I heard they're buying this. Focus on whatever it is that you're good at, because I guarantee you, whatever you do, they need help with. And then we start there. That actually seems really simple when you break it down like that. Like, honestly, it's, it's a very, very, very simple process. People just over uh, complicate it more than they need to. But at the heart of it, it's because you got to think it's the government. Right? I was going to say, wait, isn't that what the government does? Like, it's the government. At the, so that's why it's, it's the government at the end of the day. There's some <laughs> like, so underpaid don't guy at a desk. It. Yeah. Who's like, yeah. wait a minute, I'm about to pay someone $75,000 to post on Instagram. That's paperwork's going to be messed up. Yeah. <laughs> Is this um? Is this situation? It, what it sounds like you're saying is that there's uh, ample, ample, ample opportunity here. It's just that most people won't come around and screw around with it. And that's the um, that's the sad reality. Is that that is that is what's won't. happening though? You're like, there's just money to be made here, but people just won't tackle it because it's a pain because it's the government. It's probably not it, sexy. It's it's all of that. Like it's the government. It's definitely not sexy. Um, especially some of the stuff that, that you can get into that can really make you money. Like it's sexy when you're when you're a Jonah Hill, when you're a war dog, like that's cool to walk into a club and say, yeah, it's not cool to be the guy that sells trash bags to the government. Like that's like, you know, what I'm saying? like Berettas sound a whole lot better than trash bags, but they need trash bags, too. Right. Um, so it, it that's what makes it a lot harder. But the whole process is so simple. And honestly, they need they need you more than you need them. And that's why I try to tell people don't look at it like. Like they need you, like they need to give their money to you. They want to, because they need the services. So if people aren't there to provide the services, then 
you really can't complain because then when they go back to their normal sources and they go to the big three, they go to the Northrop Grumman's and the Boeing's and, and they spend billions and billions of dollars with them, you can't get mad because you didn't put yourself out there. You are, we have a lot of people who in this, on this show and people in my, that I know in my social life that, uh, in my social circles that are, you know, the word entrepreneur gets thrown around a lot. And yeah. a lot of what I see are people who like, they like to make money. They're egomaniacs. They're loud extroverts and they've been doing well in the up economy, but that does not necessarily make an entrepreneur. That's kind of how I am. I'm an, I'm not really an entrepreneur. I'm an investor who happened to be loud and egomaniac and the market's been up. So I look real good, but you are here to make money and you are here to find opportunity. And you are like, I don't care if it's sexy or not. I'm here to find the opportunity where others are either not looking or unwilling. And that to me is an entrepreneur solving is, problems. What is unsexy about building sewer lines? How would you like to save up to 65% on the hotels that you're staying in as you travel? Well, we've partnered up with a major hotel aggregator to bring you as a member of this community a phenomenal discount. So all you got to do is go to frommilitarytomillionaire.com slash hotel or click the link down in the show notes and save some money today. Yeah. <laughs> like I tell people like, like crazy, right? So like the pandemic, like people are like, oh, it was, it was horrible. I was like, not to sound bad, but it was probably one of the better times of my business because everybody was stuck at home. So normally people are gone from their house from nine to five, nine to six. So they're only flushing the toilet in the morning at night and they're only brushing their teeth in the morning at night. So when everybody was home, they're flushing the toilet all day long. They're using water all day long. So I was busier than ever because those systems were being used more than they'd had ever been used before. And a lot of them, they were used more than they were ever intended to be used. Mm. It's a, I would, I definitely would not have thought about that factor. That's I, like when you think stay at home, like I definitely think problems, but I wouldn't have expected that to be a problem. And I'd imagine you're probably on like city city sewer. Now that you say that, I'm like, oh my goodness, the people out here who live on septic, ugh, like that's terrible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, 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 even if you're on septic, that still becomes a government contract in a way, right? So it becomes a government environmental issue if people can't get their septic tanks emptied for multiple, for a long extended amount of time. So there's like, there's so many, there's so many layers to government contracting and it kind of ties into every part of every person's life. They just don't realize it. And most people don't even, the, the light bulb doesn't go off until I actually start talking. And then they're like, oh yeah, that makes sense now. Mine's going off. Yeah. Alex, yeah. Alex already has an application in. Yeah, yeah you, guys are getting, you guys are taking up my time, my, my work time right now. <laughs> it usually takes me like five to seven minutes of talking to somebody. And then all of a sudden I see their eyes just open up and I'm like, oh, it just went off. It just happened. That was it right there. <laughs> In fact, there's a good chance that we're not going to air this episode because I don't want everybody taking my newfound secret. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my goodness. Actually, oh. um, just for the listeners, I would love if anybody actually that that has never, I would love to know of anybody who has never done this before, takes this advice, goes to Sam.gov, applies to some contracts, locks one up. If that happens, and I and there's that's a time process. I understand that. I understand that there's a delay. If that happens, I 100 percent want you on this show. I want to see it. 
We also want a 10% gratuity of whatever. Yeah, I don't want Yeah. So anybody who does this successfully, I want to interview you. 20. We got to give Kevin 10. We take 10. Yeah, we're going to take 20%. We're going to take 20%. I would love for that to happen. And they come on and I and we can come back and I can come back on and just talk to them. And yeah, because that's the other great part too, is like when people really do it and they realize it works and they're like, wow, um, this is amazing. Because it's it's crazy. It well, sounds and amazing. And what's what's really cool about it is like that guy, the $75,000, which obviously that sounds great. But the fact that you're locked in on a contract with the government for four years, like doesn't sound like it gets much more secure as far as like job security or gig security. Like, you know, you're going to get paid. You know, they're not going out of business. You know that like, I, I don't know. I mean, like if they sign the paper and they they don't care enough i'd imagine to go after you unless you don't do your job they're like cool thanks and i don't know that's honestly the biggest thing is just um just do your job like do what they hired you to do as long as you do that you'll never have a problem and the great thing about government contracting is when they find someone who they like they hold on to them like and uh, i always bring up like those big companies but you look at some of the big bohemians of of American industry, like they've been locked in with the government for tens of years doing the same contracts, doing the same type of stuff. And it's because that they provide a good service and the government knows that. So they're like, you know what, we're just going to stick with you. And yeah, because and, they don't want to be caught gambling with taxpayer money. That's it. So, and that's, and that can be a benefit to you if you come in and you can provide a good service and you can tell, show them that because the government doesn't necessarily work on like lowest price. So they have a system that's called best value. So basically the way it works on some proposals, now they do have some that are lowest price where they just want something real quick and they want it as cheap as possible. But most of the stuff that you'll see come out from them is on a best value. So it's not necessarily the price or anything like that. It's what they deem to be the best value for the government. And as long as your price isn't so out of whack that it just is completely off basis, if you can provide the best value, then you're the guy for the job. Well, and especially if you're solving a problem. So I, my background is transportation logistics, right? And my last unit, I was the movement control center, like one of the movement chiefs for like the West Coast for the Marine Corps. And so we would government contract trucks and buses, depending on movements. We, we had our own like government buses, yeah, government yeah, trucks, but, but once those were tapped out or if they had to go a certain distance and it was, you know, having understanding costs of transportation it was mind boggling to me sometimes the amount of money we would spend if somebody forgot to pay, forgot to schedule a truck and we needed something like 24 hours later. Like we would, I mean, you're talking like $9,000 for a one day run. That's like three hours away, you know, and it's, it's insane. And so, you know, if you're, there's all kinds of industries you can dig into this on. It's super cool. Yeah. The the transportation and logistics one is one right now. That's really um, booming. And I appreciate that you have that experience of doing that. Cause you can really speak to it. Cause I, I get people all the time to ask me, well, how can I do it? I'm in trucking. And I'm like, they need trucking a lot. And so for you to just talk about that, that really hit for me because that's something that people ask me about on a daily basis. And I'm like, listen, yes, they have their own trucks. Yes. They have their own buses, but they don't have enough when they have to do a major move. So one of the major moves that's happening right now is um, moving equipment and stuff out of, bases like in Georgia, like Fort Benning and places like that. And they're getting them to the coastal cities just in case we do have to have a conflict or anything. So I saw a solicitation on the day where they needed 500 tanks moves from Fort Benning to one of the bases in, in Texas. Like they don't have enough trucks. Nobody has enough trucks to move 500 tanks all at once. 
And those are probably so bonded trying, movements too. So they're probably paying double. And exactly. So they're trying to put together this big movement. And so they have a solicitation out there now trying to figure out how can we get these 500 tanks moved effectively from Georgia to Texas. Um, and so it's things like that. So I do appreciate your story about being, because you understand it, you get it. And then they're going to move them all back in three months. And, and then they're going to move them all right back. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we had all these rules. Like if it was over 300 miles, we couldn't use our trucks. We had to contract it out. And if it was over X number of people or if it was for uh, like a ship movement or whatever, or we had, in, in our case, I think we had enough buses to move like 1,500 people, but we were often moving three or 4,000 people in a day. And so, you know, if you have flights coming in, you use the government controlled buses where you can be like, nope, you're sitting there because that plane got delayed and you're not leaving because you're contracted. And then you're going to the actual government contracts for all the other stuff that isn't as as likely to move around on schedules. And yeah, we were paying <laughs> enough that there were guys in the office who were like, I think I'm going to start a trucking company when I get out. <laughs> I'm just going to go work for these guys. You know, that's um. A lot of people. And that's one of the things that I love doing is helping guys that were in that. And then when they come out, they're like, man, can you help me get set up? Like, yeah, let's do it. Like, please. Because the knowledge and that, that you have, like, I wasn't in the service. So my knowledge base of government contracting is what I learned from being out here and learning and working it. But someone who was a part of the system, who was in the system, who understands how things work, like you said, you know that you can only move no more than 300 miles or, and you have those restrictions. So if you were to come out and have your own trucking company, you know exactly who to talk to and exactly what to look for. And you know exactly who to call and be like, Hey, when's your next move of 400 miles? I I'm your guy. Like, and that makes the best government contractor because you know the system. Yeah. That's yeah. So what other, um, like, do you see, is there like a specific industry or industries that generally fare better? Or, I mean, obviously they buy everything and everybody okay. thinks buying firearms is the way to go, but, you know, it, it might just be latex gloves or whatever. Like, is there any kind of rule that you see as like a guideline for that? Or is it just what you're doing? Really. Everything is all over the board. There are industries that are um, hotter than others. Like IT has been hot for the past, you know, 10, 15 years. And IT is going to continuously be hot as, as information and technology changes on a daily basis. The government has to stay ahead of the curve. Um, because like I tell people, you know, if the if the people on the bad side of the law are, are moving fast, the good guys got to move just as fast to keep up with them. So the government is constantly upgrading their, their technology to be able to, to fight things. Um, so IT is always going to be great. Um, logistics is always going to be great, just like we talked about, especially as um, we're more involved with foreign conflict. Um, so when we were bringing in people from different countries, we're helping people out in different countries. So we're always moving stuff. So that's good. Construction is a big one. Of course, I have a special you know, heart for construction because that's my industry. But construction is always going to be big. Um, the government's continuously building, changing infrastructure. Um, one of the industries I think is going to be big here coming up uh, i think the off the outside of the united states kind of construction stuff is going to get big and support services um as we help rebuild a lot of different countries from conflict i think that's going to be really really big and we have been putting a lot of money in other countries to support um so that's big but i mean generally everything man hmm. it's i'm hyped i'm rethinking my entire life right now 
<laughs> as a but but seriously you know I, I keep coming back to like what you originally said which is you know or the, the sort of sentiment that you started this conversation with which is you know the world in 2007 the financial your financial world ended and you're like well I'm, i gotta i'm not gonna quit but i gotta do something with a lot more risk a lot more risk mitigation in mind and i don't have the same story I came in in 2014, but I was always, I've been a, I'm a risk averse guy by nature and I've studied economics and I'm scared. And so I'm like, I'm look, I'm always looking for, I'm not the entrepreneurial type. Who's like, I'm going to, you know, just wing it. You know, I'll just take all this risk. I can't, I have to sleep at night and I don't, you know, I, I want to sleep like a baby. And so I like investing and I like doing stuff, but I'm always thinking risk averse. So this is like a really, really um, good topic for the people there are p listeners to our sh to our shows, especially the young troops, the young um, the young people who, you know, they don't really know what kind of investor they are yet, and it's easy to get sucked into the hustle, the hustle porn of today's sort of um, culture. But you know, right? You know, some people are gonna they're gonna get buy into that and they're gonna get burned. Where, but and the reality is, people who are getting sucked into the culture, they're actually deep down inside, they're risk averse investors who don't want that kind of stress. And so I love this specifically for to reach some of those people who you know maybe don't feel like hardcore entrepreneurs but they do want to go find opportunity and here's here's a, a, a good way that sounds like a good way to make money with and solve problems and get a reliable you know basically the most reliable customer that's ever existed yeah it's um in like that's the reason i got into it um was i was so risk adverse at that time coming out like i like i said i was scared to touch anything but I'm an entrepreneur, like I'm a hustler. I'm an investor at heart, like that's just who I am. So I had to find something that I could build a stable base with. And what government contracting has provided me over the past 14 years is I was able to build a stable, reliable company. I was able to create a true source of income for myself, but then I was able to then branch out slowly and start getting back to the things that I love, like the real estate and start investing more in real estate start to learn more about the new age um, things that are out there, start you know, taking more risks because I knew that, okay, my government contracting business, I know I'm gonna make X, Y, Z every year doing that. So I know I'm okay, now I can do a little bit more. And that's what I try to talk to people about because you're right, like some of the stuff that's out here now, it looks great on paper and it's all flashy. And when you look on Instagram and a guy's driving a Lamborghini with a beautiful woman next to him and he goes to the beach every day and he's, eating lunch at great places. And he says, I got this, you should have it too. Like it does look great, but at some point it does stop. And that's that's the sad reality that I learned is you need something so that when it all falls down, like can you still count on one thing to at least bring you enough money to feed your family and keep your lights on? And that's what government contracting has done for me because it's giving me that stable base. So I love it. Yeah, that's I love that. Wise. Yeah, that's super yeah. smart. The only problem with that statement is that real estate only goes up. Everybody knows that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do think, no yeah, risk. because like you said, you alluded to earlier about like, you know, the calendar, um, you know, the economics doesn't work on a strict calendar, but it sort of works on a predictable time Correct. frames, you know, eight to 12 years is like kind of it. Well, it? we're now at 14. So, <laughs> so, but it, it causes the, the problem that I'm starting to notice is that it causes a different sort of problem inherently when it goes on too long is that more and more people who are investing have never seen the ugly 
And so you have more and more sort of more people don't know. They're like, oh yeah, recession. It'll, it'll be a little blip and then everything will be back to normal. And they're not yeah. thinking about risk mitigation. It's, it's, I, don't know, I had a conversation last night about, about it with somebody else. And it's, it is scary, man. Cause you got to think, like you said, we're going on 14 years. So some of these people that are out here making money now, they're in their mid twenties. Like they were in middle school the last time we were in recession. So they don't like, it sounds crazy to think, but like, they don't understand what that is. They don't, they're like, yeah, yeah. All right. We hear you. Yeah. Recession. Yeah. It'll be bad. I saw it on TV once they did it. You know, it was on the history channel. Look crazy, but that'll never happen. And it's like, yeah, no, it will. In 2001, there was a crash. Yep. Um, so just to give you some perspective, there was a 33-year-old guy that I was in basic training with who got crushed. He was in tech. And then 01 came, which was a tech bubble just, you know, destruction. And he lost everything. And he had to join the army at 33. So that's how bad it got for some people. So for the 18 to 20-year-olds that are listening to the show that are, that are kind of in the boat that you just said, Kevin, where they're like, oh, yeah, it'll be bad, whatever. I'm like, dude, you might. Um, like, imagine 10 years into the future, it being so bad that you have to go off and, and this is a guy who's making 250 grand a year. Well, I mean, that's what he told me, you know, everybody in the military lies, but still, he, <laughs> you know, he, but, but those stories aren't, um, those stories aren't, um, those aren't anomalies. I mean, you had a similar story. You were, you were doing extremely well yeah. and then got crushed. So yeah, uh, I, I just keep coming back as a risk averse guy. And, and, you know, there's people who will take more risk than me and, and a lot of will do better in life than me. Um, but there's a lot of people who will take a lot of risk unnecessarily and then do worse. Um, and so for, in many ways, I'm, it, you're probably grateful that you got it out of the way at 26 and learned. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really am. Um, it helped me. Like, yeah. like I said, it was the best, it was the best couple of years and the worst couple of years of my life all rolled into one. Um, yeah. And I really learned a lot really from like, I'd say 24 to like 27. So learning about real estate and watching and, and being a part of that climb to then it happening and starting to fall and then trying to figure out how to rebuild myself. Like those were the times that really shaped me into who I am today as a business person and as a man in general. Um, so I'm, I'm grateful for it. I definitely do not want to go through it again, but <laughs> like, um, I I'm grateful for it. I just, my, my goal now is to, try to help as many people not have to deal with that. Like as much as I can do stuff like this and talk and people can, if we can get, like you say, one person to be like, yeah, I did it. And it actually worked. Like, I'm like, cool. Like that's one less person that's going to have to struggle. That's one less family that's going to have to struggle when, when things get bad. And that's what it's all about. Yeah. Dude. I love it. What, what is a, Oh, he's going to kill me when he starts realizing that I picked up on his stupid question and started asking people, uh, what is something that people much smarter than us uh -huh. or what is, how does he say it? What is something that I have not asked that people much smarter than me would ask about government contracting? Is there anything we've missed? Um, it sounds crazy. Not really. Cause it's really that simple. Um, usually the people that like you said, are, are much smarter or however you want to word they're they're usually trying to figure out a way to like get deep into the system. Right. So like, they're really trying to figure out the IT stuff, the, you know, they're looking at the artificial uh, intelligence, the, 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 you know, the virtual reality, like they're looking at that type of stuff. And I couldn't help them with that anyway, but like the basics of it, you know what I'm saying? Like, 
Yeah. You're saying don't overcomplicate it. Don't go try to solve the, the government's problems. Like the, don't go to try to re- reshape the government's future. Just like they have problems today that take like you're mostly talking about infrastructure problems. They're like, look, they need they need service and labor. Yeah, they, like they have problems today. Like, granted, can you get into you know can you get into the research and development side of government? Of course. Like, if you're one of those super super smart people, sure, you get a contract. They give out contracts all the time for research because they only have some scientists, so they need other people to help them create new problems and solve new problems. Yeah, That's but if you can do AI, you can go work for Google. Which my guess is, I'm betting you Google pays better at, at that at that at that level. Yeah, but but like I tell people all the time, um, Google pays better, but Google also gets paid by the government to do it. So you could go work for Google and they'll probably put you on a government contract. <laughs> I mean, if, if you think about it, right, Oracle, I mean, Oracle is probably one of the in the tech world, probably one of the biggest companies that's built. Yeah. I mean, they built all of our systems in the Marine Corps, maybe not all, but a very yeah. large majority of our systems in the Marine Corps. Uh, and they recently had a very successful IPO in the last year or two. So, uh, you know, I mean, that's, I guess, an example, but I don't know that I'm necessarily uh, interested in building Oracle. So, yeah. you know, that's yeah. funny. So, okay. So Kevin, I know, I know you got to drive to Miami here in a little bit. And I know we got uh, to wrap up here and I got to drive home in the rain and try not to get killed on the road. Um, where do people go to reach out to you and find out more information about, you know, and pick your brain about learning the government contracting gig? Yeah. So I, um, my website is uh, the government cheese.org. So they can, they can find me on the government cheese. I forgot <laughs> that. I love that. Yeah, you like that? Yeah. I'll tell a quick like story behind once I finish this, but so the government cheese.org is where they can um, get access to me and get access to, you know, my course that I have to help people, mentorships, all those types of things. And then on social media, um, it's kev underscore j. So kev underscore j. That's my um, that's my social media handles. But the government cheese is funny. I, somebody else actually came up with it, right? And then when I started thinking about it, I was like, wow, that makes sense. Um, but for them, it was like, yeah, it was it's the government cheese. Like we're getting the cheese, all the money. And I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. But then I started thinking, I was like, you know what though? It really has a double meaning for me. So like I was telling you, like I was dead broke in 2000 and 2008 coming out of recession, right? So I actually found myself on government assistance. So I was on welfare and all that to live. And so my daughter was born and when she was born, I, I was on welfare. So I needed government cheese to feed my family. And then 14, 15 years later, here I am getting the government's cheese. So for me, it's like, it's that double meaning, you know? Um, but yeah, it's the governmentcheese.org. And we're here to help. That's what we do. Do uh, military to millionaire or military folk in general get um, discounts on your products? Yeah. So what we'll do is we'll um, I'll create a discount code um, and we can put that out for you guys. You know, military millionaire and just um, yeah, helping vets is. Yeah. I mean, that's something I'm super into in so many different ways. Because literally, one of the first uh, clients I had was the Veterans Administration. So it would kill me when I would go in there and I'm doing all this different type of work and I'm seeing all these vets and I'm seeing guys my age or younger and they're coming home and they're like lost. And so that's something for me is like, hey, how can I help? How can I help you guys? You know what I'm saying? Show you the different ways because in all honesty, like you talked about, David, when we talked about trucking, like you have way more trucking knowledge than I will ever have as it relates to that. 
and it's not and so it's my responsibility to show you like all right cool let's take that that you were taught that they showed you and now let's help you take that to the next level here on the other side so that's yeah we, well, well thank you for the discount code we'll make sure we link that down in the in the show notes and uh i love this man like i know it, you know ironically it was it was this bad boy which i told you i'd never go anywhere without i'm sitting there <laughs> writing in my journal and i i was trying to like balance both and i, I couldn't do it and then we, we talked a little bit after uh yeah. but like holy smokes we could have had a full 45 minute conversation about this there this is enthralling like this is this is cool stuff man i like it i'm hyped this is awesome yeah, thanks so much for coming on the show. I mean, this is something totally different than what we normally have on, and I, I love it. Thank you, guys, man. I appreciate you, and thank you for everything that you're doing. So it's an amazing platform. Well, thank you. We appreciate you. We do. Thank you for listening to another episode about my journey from military to millionaire. If you liked it, be sure to visit from militarytomillionaire.com slash podcast to subscribe to future podcasts. While you're there, we'd love for you to rate the show, give us a review on iTunes. Now get out there and take action.